Hello and welcome to Pelvic Floor at its Core, the only podcast out there that is brought to you by a women's health medical technology company. I am your host, Shravya Cavella, Pelvic Floor Physical Therapist and Business Development Manager at Flight by Pelvidol. We have a unique approach at Pelvidol. We believe our product, Flight, can provide life-changing outcomes, but we also know that no single treatment is right for everyone. We are therefore working hard to increase the collective knowledge out there about the importance of the pelvic floor. Because the more we work together, the more we can work towards increasing access to pelvic floor care so all women can truly live their best lives. On this podcast, I bring on pelvic health experts to talk about a variety of topics that any and every woman and clinician can relate to and learn from. It's always informative, always interesting, and we always have fun. So let's get into it. Hey, 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 everyone. I am super pumped for today's episode. We have another great pelvic floor physical therapist on our podcast today. Her name is Julia Salazar. She is owner of a practice called Core Pelvic PT based in Spokane Valley, Washington. She's a board certified women's health specialist, one of just 22 in the state of Washington, and just a total rock star and wealth of knowledge. And today we are talking about endometriosis. So what is endometriosis? Endo occurs when tissue resembling the uterine lining grows outside of the uterus, attaching to organs such as the intestines, bladder, etc., and it can cause scarring, cysts, and lesions. It's often diagnosed in stages. However, the stage doesn't always correlate with the level of pain or disability someone may experience in their life. In fact, people with endo will lose an average of 7 to 10 hours of productivity per week. 90% of people with endometriosis have GI symptoms, and it takes on average seven years for someone to get diagnosed with endometriosis because it is just that overlooked. So this is not something we should glaze over. We here at Flight aim to help women seek out care, and we truly believe that knowledge is power. So let's jump into today's episode, Talking Endometriosis and Quality of Life When Living with Endo, with the fantastic Julia. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me today. Of course. I am so pumped to have you and talk about all things endometriosis. Offline, you just told me that you're treating a lot of patients with endometriosis. You're super passionate about it. And I really am excited to get into the nitty gritty of how we can have an improved quality of life when living with endometriosis. So really, really excited about that. Big topic. It affects a lot of people and a lot of aspects of their life. Before jumping right into that, I just want to hear a little bit about how you got into pelvic health and how you began your own practice. So I've been a PT for, gosh, 11 years now. And I started out doing outpatient orthopedics. I honestly didn't even know about pelvic floor PT. It wasn't even on my radar. But my first job, I had another lady in the practice that this is what she did. Um, And she was getting overwhelmed. She didn't feel like she was able to give good quality of care because she was just so busy. So she I, you know, asked me and was like, hey, is this even remotely anything you'd be interested in? And I was like, I don't know anything about it. So she was gracious and she let me follow her for a little bit. 
Oh, that's great. See, yeah, it was it was really nice because that's a lot of time to take away. So I got to see kind of a little bit of everything. You know, it's kind of an intimidating gosh, niche to get into. And so she's like, you know what, do the first course and let's see what you think after that first course. And yeah. she was right that that first course was a true, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And you're going to know after those three days. Mm-hmm. So I went through American Physical Therapy Association for, gosh, their first few, I think at that point in time, it was only three, maybe four courses, like as their base if you will. Right. So I did all that and she started handpicking clients for me and just really kind of helping me out, getting my feet wet. Well, and then I decided me and my husband moved to California. Okay. And so we were there. That is when I had heard about, I had researched, there was a pelvic floor clinic in downtown Sacramento and it was a little bit of a commute for me. But I told my husband, I was like, we're only going to be here five years. I was like, you know, this would be really good for me to decide, is this really what I want? You know, do I Mm -hmm. feel like I can do this? And so, yeah, I contacted her and she brought me in and I learned so much from her and her husband and everybody there. Um, They were both PTs. They saw men, they saw women, they saw children. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was a big practice. And so I just learned so much from them. And she really helped with continuing ed. She's like, here, try this. I found great benefit from this instructor, that type of thing. Um, And that's really where I developed my passion. And so when me and my husband were then moving again to where we are currently in Washington State, I was like, this is what I'm doing. So when I moved back here, we're in a bigger city for Washington. I was really kind of disappointed because there wasn't a clinic that was specialized to just pelvic floor. Mm. Um, Yeah, I was nervous about starting my own thing. Um, For fair reason. It it took about a year and a half before I decided, nope, I really want to do this. I really think that the community will accept it and it will be welcomed. And yeah, and it has. I, it it's has. grown so it's, much, right? It's been awesome. Yeah. I went from just me to now I have front office staff. I have an office manager. I have two other providers and we're busy. So yeah. it's been wonderful. And the community has really embraced it too. Really specialized because this is such a sensitive topic. You know, where I was working at prior, it was an outpatient ortho clinic. They're loud. It's busy. It's a gym setting. Mm-hmm. And here you are get this, you know, quieting of the central nervous system, talking about these very, you know, personal issues. So this setting that I created is much more in line with privacy, quiet, calming, just relaxation. That's great. And I I think it speaks so much to how big the demand is for pelvic floor. I mean, it sounds like you saw that when you first started with the PT who was probably secretly crossing her fingers and was like, oh my gosh, please let Julia love pelvic floor. Right. So she's not <laughs> overwhelmed, but it's it's such a need. For those who don't know, at these pelvic floor courses, every PT, we practice on each other. We feel all the treatments ourselves. So internal and external, you'd be hard pressed to find a PT who has a stringent personal bubble, I would say. Um, Right. (laughs) I have to hold myself back sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody likes to be touched. (laughs) Oh, me too. And sometimes I'm like, okay, you can't just talk about like poop and vaginas, like right in the first go with people who are not in this world. Well, I think most of us get into PT because we want to help people and we want to make a difference in people's lives. And 
this is an area that you can make big changes in quality of life for people. Absolutely. And what a great transition used quality of life. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk about endometriosis. Yes. Um, if you don't mind, Julia, just summarizing what exactly endometriosis is and how is it diagnosed? Endometriosis um, affects women of all ages. That's one of the biggest misnomers that I've kind of heard is younger women have a really tough time getting it diagnosed. And it's not that they don't have it. It's just that um, most people haven't don't get diagnosed till they're about mid thirties. Um, and it's just because the symptoms are so variable. So, because mm -hmm. to diagnose it is essentially almost a diagnosis of exclusion because you can't see it on imaging. Doctors have to essentially feel pretty compelled that you have it because they have to do an exploratory laparoscopic surgery mm -hmm. to identify it. And that's a big step for anybody to do. So not everybody's just jumping in ready to be like, yeah, put me in surgery. They really want to make sure that, you know, they think that this is the case. So a lot of people that I see have been to multiple providers, tried a multitude of different treatments. Some things have helped, but not gotten rid of it. And essentially what it is, it's an overgrowth of endometrial tissue in the uterus. It can get into the abdominal cavity. I just read recently that they have found it like all the way up into the chest cavity and up into like the cervical spine. So wow. it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's not just staying within the abdominal cavity. And I've had people say, yeah, it was on my diaphragm. You know, it's mm -hmm. all over their organs. A lot of people will have it on their bladder because one of the common things I see too is if you have endometriosis, a lot of the times people will have IC or painful bladder syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's getting both those under control and how much is just endometrial tissue on the bladder. And what is, is endometrial tissue? Just for those who don't know. So, so think of lining of the uterus. We all shed that every month during our cycle. And all it is, is that tissue grows too much. It could be like a thickening, if you will. And then it will go outside through the fallopian tubes and get into our abdominal cavity. It's not like a cancerous tissue by any means, but it just continues to grow. And endometrial tissue also during your cycle, it will fill with blood. And that's a lot of times why people will get bloated it will release estrogen as well. So usually your people have elevated levels of estrogen in their system. Have you had patients come into your clinic where they are describing how they're feeling? Something that they said or a series of things that they said cued you into, could this be endometriosis? Yes. Gosh, and it is so wide and variable. But a lot of these people, if they have not had the diagnosis, they will come to me for general pelvic pain or even pain with intimacy, pain with sex. I look for cyclical pain. The pain can be constant, but they can be like, yeah, well, I kind of notice, like, you know, every three to four weeks, like it'll get really bad for a period of time. And sometimes people haven't quite made the connection to their cycle. So I just have to pay attention to that. What else? IBS. IBS is a common diagnosis that I see a lot of my clients have. Irritable bowel syndrome. Correct. Mm -hmm. And it can be either diarrhea or it can be constipation. But if they're having pain and they have the IBS, that's kind of a red flag to me that potentially there could be more going on. Mm -hmm. And then that deep 
pain with intercourse where they're like, it's not necessarily with penetration, but it's, it, it's deeper. It's inside. They can't put a finger on it. That is usually like endometrial tissue that can be there and being irritated with that activity. Mm-hmm. If that's kind of what you're hearing in your clinic, what sorts of medical procedures or medical treatments are you seeing being used these days for these patients? I know you mentioned that there's this really great surgeon in your area who you have created a connection with. It's just so wonderful to have that connection, I'm sure. Oh, yes. I'm, I guess I'm curious. Like, I feel like when you have a connection like that, you can both learn from each other. What are you seeing being done these days for those patients to improve their quality of life? Yeah, so it's a it's a more holistic approach. So it's not just pelvic floor PT. He will normally try and regulate their hormones um, through birth control. He talks to the patient and gets that going, which does definitely help. It doesn't cure it, but if you can regulate those hormones a little bit better, your symptoms will improve. I also suggest talking with a uh, nutritionist. Essentially, you want to stay on an anti-inflammatory diet. So the big things I've seen is gluten. I tell people, you know, go off of it for a week and see how you feel. Um, If you don't notice a change, then have at it. But most of my people will say they notice a pretty significant difference if they get rid of gluten. Dairy is the other one. And then sugar. So Mm. those are some, those are hard things. I say those and I just see people's faces fall, but um, (laughs) like that's in everything we eat. I know (laughs) it's hard. So I'm like, pick one. And honestly, the it's gluten and dairy that I see the most reactive in people. So I'm like, pick one, do it for a week. You can do anything for a week, you know, right try it out and see. And so then they're more open to that. And what's the thought process behind that in changing diet? How could that impact those symptoms of endo? It's more because those foods are inflammatory, so they cause inflammation in the gut. I can't think of a single person that has come back to me and said that endo has not been on their intestines. Like mm-hmm. they've had to do some sort of removal. So just keeping the GI system moving is great. <laughs> With endometrial tissue getting stuck on that GI, it slows down your motility and you get more pressure on that pelvic floor. So a lot of the times people are like, I'm here for pain. Why are we talking poop? I'm like, well, because if we can, you know, get your system moving better, you're going to have less pressure on that pelvic floor and that pelvic floor is going to be able to relax a little bit better and you're going to have relief of symptoms even more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's just getting people to recognize, like, I look not just at pelvic floor and the pelvis, but like I take a view of the whole body. So I'm looking above and below and what's impacting it. Because if I do all my work internally and get great releases and then it comes back. Well, it's more likely because I haven't released something above or below that's making it tighten up again. Right. And so I'm hearing like that holistic approach, but also multidisciplinary management, which is super key for these kind of pain syndromes. Yes. And I'm lucky. Like I said, I have a great surgeon in the area that is a firm believer in pelvic floor PT. He has seen it help his patients. And then I have hooked up with a few other providers that, you know, do all these other things. And so we work together and the patients respond faster. They have a better quality of life. Yeah. It's really nice to see. Flight is more than just a product. It's a service. Are you ready to learn more about whether flight is the right choice for your lifestyle and your pelvic floor? Or do you just have questions about your pelvic health in general? 
If so, go to www.flighttherapy.com and schedule a free chat with Leah Fulker, a pelvic floor physical therapist today. Back to the show. So I'm going to ask you a tough question. Are you ready for it? What specific daily change would you recommend to someone who is dealing with endo that they can do to see an improvement in their quality of life? Ooh, and I only get one. I know. Isn't that Um, hard? That is very challenging. We're not counting the gluten dairy because that was a really good nugget of information, but I want more nuggets of information. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say going to be two, but I'm going to combine them. So I'm going to make it one. I'll allow it. Um, Diaphragmatic breathing is huge. And I usually give that right away. And most people I find are like, really breathing? But it has a significant factor in how your body responds to everything. Most people that deal with chronic pain have an upregulated nervous system. So they're in more fight or flight. So they're just very sensitive to anything. So I teach them diaphragmatic breathing to help calm that system down. So they still have pain, yes, but it's getting perceived by the body as less intense, and then they're able to do more. And then with that, I usually combine that with some global general stretching of like hips. So, you know, I do front, back, and sides, so quads, hamstrings, external rotators, so like piriformis stretches, and I just try to do a handful. And I just ask people to take 10 minutes of their day to do the stretching with the breathing. And that usually gives them some pretty significant relief. Definitely good tips. And it just makes me think about my own experience. I'm going to throw my own experience in there. A pelvic PT, she's super awesome. And she was treating me, someone I really trusted. And, you know, here I am preaching diaphragmatic breathing to all my patients And she told me, Shravya, you don't breathe into your belly. Like the bottom (laughs) half of your abdomen does not move. Yes. And I just, I physically could not breathe into it because there was just no fascial mobility. Yeah. And it was crazy. I know that she worked on that area, did some release of those muscles in the lower part of my abdomen, my hip flexors, because they play a very close role. I remember just like a week or two later, I breathed into that area and I was like, what is this feeling? This is so weird. I've never breathed into this area of my body before. And I think it goes back to exactly what you're saying with it is holistic. You know, these GI issues that people might have, these other pain syndromes that are all connected I just have been clenching my abdomen for so long because I've had a history of GI issues and my stomach will be on and off painful for various food sensitivities or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, practice what you preach. And I thought I was, you know, but. I know it's hard to see it in yourself, but that's awesome that you got to feel that. I see that with my clients a lot where they are, they're just protective. It hurts. So of course you're going to protect it and not move it because you don't want to irritate it. And then they're very, like, you could see it in their face. I'm like, okay, breathe down here, you know, make this area move. And they are very nervous and cautious about it. Right. But once they realize it's not going to be painful and we get those fascial restraints gone, like it's, it's amazing what it does. So going back to this holistic approach, I'm curious if you work with any mental health counselors. And the reason I ask that there are plenty of studies out there that look at these pain syndromes such as endometriosis and how they're finding 
increased rates of depression or anxiety. Yes. And I do. I, I throw that out there as well. And I ask them, you know, are you seeing anybody, you know, I'm not saying this is all in your head, but it is definitely a component of your treatment and you will progress faster and better if you do seek out a counselor to chat with. So I do. I always recommend that with all my pain clients. It doesn't even have to be just endo. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you another tough question. Mm -hmm. Here it comes. If you have a patient who is seeing you, whether it's day one or whether it's day, I don't know, 25, 50, um, when do you kind of guide them towards a recommendation for laparoscopic surgery versus a continuation of conservative treatments. I think that can be a really tough decision. I saw it with some of my patients. I could see them really struggling with that. So I'm really interested to hear your take. No, I get that question a lot from my clients because it is a very hard decision to make because it's surgery. You're going to be off work for a while. You have to recover. So it's a big impact on your life. I tell everybody it is a personal choice. It's quality of life. If we can manage your symptoms, you know, and you can do these things and you feel like you're still living the life you want, then conservative treatment is perfect for you. And maybe you'll never need that laparoscopic surgery. But I do usually see the more extreme where these people are like, I'm calling in sick to work. I'm about ready to lose my job. I have high school kids that are like, I'm missing my entire year of senior year and I'm having to apply to college. I don't even think I can go. So those are the people that I'm like, okay, let's see what we do, what we can do, what we can get your symptoms, you know, where we can get them to. And then we just have that same conversation. Are you happy with this or do you want to see if it could get potentially better? Right. It is subjective. And I, I just want to add like, I would have patients who would ask me, well, maybe, you know, is this normal? Like, I I don't know, maybe it's really not that bad. But what you said is so perfect. Like, oh, I'm missing all this time in high school, you know, or yeah. whatever it is. Like, those are real things. And I, I don't know, I just want to put out there in the world, like, don't doubt yourself. You know, if, if it's impacting you, it's impacting you. And yes, I just yeah. had a very good girlfriend. Um, she's a PT as well. Mm-hmm. And I I never personally treated her, but well, I worked with her. So I kind of saw what she was going through and she would, you know, confide in me a little bit. And she did all this diet work and they never really could figure out what was exactly wrong, but she struggled and struggled and struggled. Well, finally, I was like, you know what? You need to go to this doctor. Like he's going to tell you right away if he thinks you have endo or if he doesn't. I was like, but I think you might. She goes to him and sure enough, he's like, yep, I could pretty much guarantee that you have it. And here's what I recommend. And she came back to me in tears. He said I had it and I was ready for that. But like, do I really, is it bad enough? Like, what do you think? And I was like, I watched you. I was like, don't downplay your symptoms. Like, I think that's the other thing too, is she's like, but I can kind of, you know, I have managed it. I was like, but you haven't. How many days a week are you telling me you're here? Yes, but you're miserable. Yeah. I was like, your symptoms, like they are valid. So it is kind of finding that out and it's talking to the people that know you the most. Yeah. I love that. And it's, it's talking to your resources too, you know, like it's okay to, to seek that help. Yes. Mm -hmm. So my friend did decide to do that surgery and it was a recovery, but she is so happy. Oh, so good. Yes. (laughs) That's great. Yes. Well, 
great transition here from one mini case study, I feel like, oh, yeah. your friend, to the case study that you prepared for us. What can you tell us just the key things that we should know about this patient? This patient had, uh, gosh, ever since starting her cycle, so she's young, upper 20s, ever since starting her cycle, always had pelvic pain, bloating of her stomach on and off, just, you know, IBS symptoms fluctuating from diarrhea to constipation, kind of like your general sickly. Like there was more days out of the month that she just didn't really feel great than she actually felt good. Um, mm -hmm. She had been, you know, to all of her providers and none of her symptoms were bad enough to where they were like, you know, let's do this, let's do that. It was, well, you know, take an ibuprofen when you have pain because it would help and it would make it go away. GI stuff, you know, she played around with her diet and she did notice some things made it worse, some things made it better, but it still wasn't great. It got worse as she got older. Okay. Again, started seeking more advice from providers. Again, her primary care provider, she went to a naturopath. She had seen a urologist because bladder was an issue. She was getting more urgency frequency. She had seen a GI doctor because that had never fully recovered. And all the testing came back as, yeah, there's something there. Something's not working right. But there's, again, no diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, Which is frustrating. Exactly. And so she came to me because I think it was the urologist was like, you know, go see a pelvic floor PT. Maybe they can at least help you get your urgency frequency under control. And so that's how I met her. And just talking with her and working with her, there was definitely, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction. There was fascial restraints. There was all this. But as we got to know each other, I was like, well, have you done this? Have you tried this? And anyways, I was like, you know, I think there's a good chance that you could have endo. And if you don't have a doctor, like... I would suggest going and seeing this guy. He'll be able to tell you right away if, you know, he thinks he can help you or if someone else is better suited for you. Mm -hmm. um, and she did. And yeah, he was like, no, I, I think you have endo. And she ended up having the surgery and returning, gosh, like four weeks post-surgery and was sore. And so we worked on fascia, we worked on scar tissue, we worked on getting her up and moving again and getting back started on exercise. <laughs> Miraculously, if you will, like almost all of her symptoms went away. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, it was huge. Um, and like she had been told that she wasn't going to be able to have children. Well, she ended up getting pregnant. And oh, so naturally happy. too. Yeah. She didn't even have to do IVF or anything. Like she was thrilled. So that's fantastic. Sounds like you were a big help to her that there were all these other symptoms that she was dealing with, but just having someone listen and guide her to, Hey, this could be a root cause. Yeah. Um, and then getting to work with you again, you know, four weeks post-op, like all those other restrictions, like of the fascia, muscle tightness, whatever it is, they might not go away right away, but they're going to improve because correct you address yeah. the root cause. And that's one thing I like about this surgeon I work with. He believes in PT before surgery to try and like get things going as well as we can prior and then 
after surgery too. He's a huge advocate, which in the ortho world, that's normal. Like you're going to go have a total knee replacement. They send you to PT to get as strong as you possibly can. Right. And then you go to PT after. So it makes sense, but it's right. just not common yet. As someone who also worked in the ortho world, a lot of large part of it is because of insurance. It's like, yes. all right, you got to go do PT <laughs> before getting surgery to get your insurance to cover it, which is sadly why I think a lot of people are motivated to do it. And you know, you see patients come in and actually end up opting not to get the surgery or whatever it is, depending yeah. on how they do. But it's, there isn't that standard for pelvic health. And no, sounds like you have a really good connection there. Yes, I am very lucky to be in this area. Well, Julia, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. I want to give you credit where it's due because you're doing such amazing work. And well, I love clearly as a pelvic PT, I love all other <laughs> pelvic PTs. So I feel like saying that every episode is hopefully not going to lose its weight, but really, really think that you are just amazing. And so if you could just give yourself a shout out of <laughs> what your website is, where you're yeah. practicing and what your Instagram handle is so people can hear more from you. Definitely. So my clinic is called Core Pelvic Physical Therapy. I'm in Spokane, Washington. My website is corepelvicpt.com. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but my Instagram handle is at core underscore pelvic underscore PT. Awesome. Well, there you guys have it. Go follow Julia for more information. And Julia, such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in to Pelvic Floor at its Core. Quick disclaimer for you, Flight by Pelvidol is approved for pelvic floor strengthening and SUI only. All information provided on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace medical advice. Always seek out a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have about a medical condition. And if you have a question about flight and its indications for use, please see our website at flighttherapy.com. And that's it. See you next time on the next episode of Pelvic Floor at its Core.